Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homerism Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine and the SB Nation Podcast Network. Uh, make sure to give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts to make it easier for people to find us here. We're recording this episode on Thursday, June 27, 2019, and our guest today is recruiting analyst Josh McQuestion of SoonerScoop.com. Obviously, we've had Josh on plenty in the past. Uh, he's going to fill us in on some of the latest recruiting news, uh, You know, just back from a big event, I believe, down in Atlanta. So we'll uh, find out what's been going on for recruiting for uh, Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Josh, what's up, man? Hey, Alan. Uh, glad to be back. Like you said, this is this r- does not feel like my first trip, so <laughs> I think we're good to go. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So before we get started here, I know that, uh, you know, I believe you guys were out in Atlanta, right? What was the uh, the, the event called? What, what, what did you see out there? What was going down? Yeah, we were at the Rivals Five Star Challenge, which is basically an accumulation of all the uh, elite guys that came to the various rivals regional camps, you know, Dallas, Houston. Houston, Atlanta, Los Angeles, you know, uh, Miami, Orlando. I mean, there, there's, I think, 13 or 14 across the country. And this is kind of the gathering of the best of the best of those camps. And they all come, you know, we rivals flies them in, puts them up in a hotel. They stay. Get to have a few days in Atlanta. They went to the College Football Hall of Fame. You know, they do some interesting stuff. And then, you know, for one day, they do um, kind of a morning session of, like, one-on-one, stuff like that, and then they get into the seven-on-seven. And obviously when you're talking about, you know, a lot of the elite guys around the country, Oklahoma's going to be involved with several of those guys. And there were probably, I would say, I would say about eight very realistic prospects for Oklahoma, including, you know, recent quarterback commitment Brock Vandegrift. Yeah, you know, you say that, uh, you know, naturally Oklahoma's going to be involved with a lot of those guys, but it seems like they've been involved with uh, a whole lot more of them lately, right? Over the last few years, it's changed a lot because I can remember, you know, when we were I was talking to Eddie about this um, in 2012, 2013. You know, there was a couple guys like Micaiah Quick, Joe Mixon. You know, it was usually and then there would be three or four guys that were kind of just paying lip service. But you didn't really feel like, OK, that's a that that's a guy Oklahoma's really in with there. Uh, but now it's more of. You know, I talked to two of the top, you know, probably 20 offensive tackles in the country that I don't know that Oklahoma could take right now. And all they could talk about is wanting to take an official visit to Oklahoma. So it's the tables have turned a little bit where Oklahoma now is a little bit more of a chooser than the beggar that I think they, they had become a little bit. Right. So, you know, you mentioned Brock Vandergriff, though. Um, you know, Rivals has him rated as the number one prospect. This is for the class of 2021, not 2020. But uh, tell us a little bit about him. And, uh, you know, is the number one uh, ranking deserved there? I, I couldn't have been much more impressed. I mean, you know, and it, it's sad that every guy that comes out of Georgia instantly becomes compared to Trevor Lawrence, which is just. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to someone. He said, "Well, he's not Trevor Lawrence." And I said, "Well, even if that's true, that's not. You know, you're talking about pretty tall cotton there. Those are guys yeah. that are. You know, Trevor. Trevor. I've said. I've said it plenty of times. He's the best high school quarterback I've ever watched. So, um, you know, if you want to get into that, that's fine. It's awfully early to worry too much about that comparison. But I, you know, I said something on the board the other day, and it was kind of. I don't know. Um, that I know the rest of the 2021 class well enough to say, okay, Brock's definitely number one. There's no question. There's nobody else that can even come close. But at the same time, I can say that he'll be in that conversation. I I, I have trouble believing 
that there is anyone out there that's going to be head and shoulders better than he is. He is a guy that has a great delivery. It's very decisive with the ball, uh, has really unnatural accuracy for a guy so young. That's usually you see something, uh, excuse me, something you see that kind of comes on over time. But he's coming off his first year as a high school starter and just delivered strike after strike to a bunch of receivers he didn't know, actually led his team to the seven-on-seven championship in the evening, which I think we all know seven-on-seven is not exactly my favorite thing in the world, but it's a good sign. He got off to a slow start. I thought he showed some toughness to kind of, you know, okay, I'm not going to let that be the definition of where I am. And he was the only quarterback there that took every one of his team's snaps because each team has two quarterbacks, but and they and in seven-on-seven they tend to rotate Mm one-for-one. Well, his uh, his quarterback on his team, the other one, um, was injured, had some kind of shoulder issue, and so Brock took literally every snap for his team. And really, you know, I, I don't. I think it might have helped him in some ways. Like I think it was easier for him to get into rhythms and you know just kind of get a better feel rather than okay, I'm on for four or five plays. Okay, now I'm out for ten minutes. Now I'm back in. You know, that that's tough to develop a rhythm. So, like I said, I I think there's no. There's no question of Lincoln Riley definitely knows what he what he's doing is this was his only offer in the 2021 class of quarterback. Right now, I mean, of course, you get kids committing this early. I mean, we're talking two years here. Uh, lock and change. You know, what what are the chances, though, that you think that, uh, you know, Vandegrift sticks with Oklahoma? Oh, very strong. I, I To me. The only way I see it being a real risk is basically the idea of um, if Lincoln Riley were to leave. That, mm-hmm. That's really the only thing I see as being a real thorn in Oklahoma side as a possible problem. Just because this is a kid that has bought in completely. You know, I talked to his dad um, in an interview we'll actually have up here in the next day or two. And he said, you know, if, if Oklahoma had, was geographically where Clemson is, we'd have probably been committed to Oklahoma in January. You know, this this would have Mm -hmm. happened a while ago. But I think the family just had to come to terms with, okay, he's going to be farther away, it's a longer drive, those kind of things. And once they just accepted that and accepted that, you know, this is the best option for our son, everybody was on board. You know, and now they get to go back to, you know, he has two sisters and they can go to their softball and volleyball and all the other stuff they want to do they can be involved with that where I think Brock's recruiting has kind of consumed the last six months of their life. And I think they're glad to be done with it. Got it. Okay. Well, you know, one thing that we've talked about a lot in the past is that the way that, uh, you know, kind of recruiting classes come together, a lot of times, you know, securing that quarterback is important to be kind of the lead dog, you know, or the anchor of the class. And, uh, you know, used to kind of build around. I mean, I got to imagine, it, it, I mean, is, is Vandegrift going to get involved with that? And do you think that, uh, I mean, obviously that's something that Lincoln Riley's going to sell on the trail, but how involved do you think Vandegrift will be with that? Oh, I definitely think he'll be involved. He is a guy that Lincoln Riley actually sent him a list on the way into Atlanta um, of the guys, <laughs> hey, we'd like you to, you know, if, if you could kind of kind of have a look at these guys for us, help us out with these guys. So, you know, there's there's definitely some of that going on. Um, now, I will say, I don't think it's Brock's natural inclination. I don't think he's one of the, those, you know, kind of rah-rah, outgoing guys. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's much more of a Kyler Murray type. Um, plenty, you know, perfectly happy to just, you know, kind of be, be there and do what he needs to do and worry about his stuff. But, you know, I talked to him about it, and he goes, you know, part of it, 
is I need to go to these things and perform well and show these other guys that, you know, I, I'm a guy worth playing with, basically. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an ego thing, but he knew if he looks good, it makes Oklahoma look good and guys are going to be more interested in playing with him. Right. Well, let's uh, talk about some of the other guys who might be in the class ahead of him. Um, you know, Oklahoma's had a few kind of uh, names percolating out there. Um, you know, one guy, a local kid uh, from Broken Arrow, Andrew Rame, uh, projected as a guard. You know, this is a guy that I think Oklahoma had, uh, you know, people have had, oh, you know, pegged for Oklahoma for a long time. Uh, what are your thoughts with him? Well, you know, as of a week ago, I thought this was almost a done deal. I, it, it, it seems really almost like the Michigan official visit was a, a formality, really. Like, you know, Andrew just kind of wanted to do his due diligence. And once he came back, he and I started talking, and I just, you know, and honestly, I thought he was kind of pulling my leg for a little while. And then the more we talked, I was like, no, he's he's a little shaken up right now. Because he went to his Georgia official visit two weekends ago, came back, and immediately was kind of saying, okay, you know, uh, or not not saying anything. He clearly liked the visit, but then a few days later was back in Norman kind of covertly. And then he went to Michigan, and you kind of thought, okay, and he'll just come right back to Oklahoma, and that'll be that'll be that. Um, but it sounds just more and more like Georgia and Michigan got into his ear a little bit, and you, you have to wonder how much did it help both of those schools that they got to you know you got to do their official visit, got to sh- roll out the red carpet for he and his family, show him everything. And while he's been to Oklahoma a lot, it's different when you know you can fly a guy in and we're going to pick you up at the airport and we're going to do all these other things. You know, it's just, it's easier to make them feel important and like a big deal than, Hey, you're going to have to come to us at every turn. So that's, that's a little tricky. And we'll kind of see how that goes. I, I've said it, you know, a few places now, I think if he picked right now, it would probably be Georgia. Now I think the longer time goes on and the farther he can get away from those visits, the better it is for Oklahoma. They just need some time and then we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But I definitely, I still think even if he were to announce for Georgia as we're doing this podcast, I think in time Oklahoma could get him down for an official and then maybe, you know, you see something happen in the end. Uh, you know, let's say that, that he were to commit to Georgia, you know. I mean, is he, you know, the kind of prospect that OU would stick with? I mean, you know, I mean, also, you know, I know he's a local guy, so – Tell me, like, what dynamic is kind of at play there? I do think he's a guy that Oklahoma would stick with. And I know, you know, people have kind of looked at his ranking. I think we've got him something like 239 and the rivals 250. To me, that's just staggeringly low. You know, I have talked to people both connected to Oklahoma and Georgia, and I can tell you that those two schools who may have the two best offensive line coaches in the country and Sam Pittman at Georgia and Obviously, Bill Biedenboe at Oklahoma, they think he's one of the two best linemen in the country. I mean, they, they both think he is a special, special guy that can play guard, can play tackle. Even at Oklahoma, might be a guy that is seen as the heir apparent to Creed Humphrey. I mean, might be a guy that's actually good enough to kind of pick up where Humphrey's going to leave off after what is probably an All-American career. Um, so, you know... I don't think there's any question Oklahoma would continue to work as long as they felt like there was hope. You know, now if he just told them, hey, 
guys, don't bother, don't waste your time. You know, they've got to do what they've got to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, he's a guy they like a lot. And I think it would be a little dependent on, because you get into, you know, a risk and reward thing. Well, is it worth us to keep, you know, worth it for us to keep working Andrew Rain? Well, maybe not if we love a guy out of Florida that we think we can get or we love a guy out of Georgia that we think we can get. But if it's a guy that we're, you know, we like, but maybe we're not in love with, sure, maybe you go back to Raymond, even if he's told you no a couple times, you keep trying. Got it. So I guess the, this brings up an interesting question. What's going on with OU and Georgia right now? It seems like they're locked in a ton of different, uh, over a ton of different guys here. This is becoming quietly one of the really interesting recruiting battles that, you know, and it's one of those ones where you're like, what, how did that, how does this keep happening? Right. But I think part of it is, like I said, when you talk about, you know, arguably the two best offensive line coaches in the country, well, you're talking about a minute group of players who are capable of playing at the level those two want. Well, then you also throw in that there's going to be four or five guys, each of those guys sign almost every year. So you're creating several battles right there. Mm-hmm. Then you have the unique situation with Brock Vandegrift. Um, and, you know, and you look down the list. I mean, uh, Akinola from uh, Houston area, obviously one of those offensive linemen. Jaden Hazelwood, kind of like Vandegrift, just a unique situation where he had some ties to Oklahoma, but he's from Georgia. So there are – some of it's just been circumstantial, and then some of it has just been I wouldn't expect this to go away. And, you know, I, I think part of it is because if you were going to say – Okay, I think we all can accept Alabama and Clemson are maybe just a little ahead of everybody else right now. The next two are some semblance of Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. So you're, you're just recruiting a very similar caliber of athlete. And Oklahoma's, you know, gone nationwide, and so is Georgia, and you're just going to run into that. And I think another aspect is that Oklahoma – sees an avenue they can win in Georgia. When you land two five-stars in three years, you have a lot of credibility walking in just about any living room in the state of Georgia. Yeah, there's there, oh, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. Um, you know, one of the uh, usual sparring partners for the Sooners on the recruiting trail is the Texas Longhorns. You know, you haven't heard as much about OU and, and Texas going head-to-head necessarily, but uh, I think they, they are really kind of duking it out for a uh, pretty significant safety prospect, right? Absolutely. Brian Washington, another one of those guys that I had a chance to watch in uh, Houston that just really impressed me. You know, he's a guy that I, I live in Houston, for those that don't know, so I've seen him in person several times through the last couple of years. And I knew he was a guy I liked his instincts. I knew I liked um, a lot of his athletic ability, his frame. I mean, he's not one of these guys where – Oklahoma's going after a guy that maybe is a, you know an inch shorter than everybody else wants. Bryson Washington's probably six foot and 190 pounds. I mean, he, and ran an electric four five five at our five star challenge. So I mean, this is a guy that has all the physical tools you're looking for in a high school senior. And what really stood out to me watching him during the five star was he is a very natural kind of leader. I you know you saw stuff where. He's telling guys, we got to communicate more. we got to talk more. Uh, his team was actually the team that beat Brock Vandegrift the first time around and then ended up losing to them in the championship game. So, you know, they went pretty far in the whole thing as well. And I really just think 
he is one of those guys, like I said, that you need in a locker room. He can help you. He'll do what the coaches ask him to do. And at his high school team, they're they're not, you know, they're about a 500 team. So you don't get to see as much of that because when I go see him, he's playing North Shore and, yeah. you know, n- nobody's standing up long against North Shore unless yeah. your name's Duncanville or Allen or someone like that. So, um, you know, it, it was just good to see a different side of him that I hadn't seen. As far as the recruiting aspect, Oklahoma has a very good chance to land him. And I, I've got to go back, and I brought it up a few times. I keep saying I'm going to do it, and I haven't gotten around to it yet. But the last time Oklahoma landed a major prospect over Texas in Houston is, yeah, I bet it's more than a decade. I yeah. mean, it just it does not happen, especially in Houston. And so for Oklahoma to, excuse me, to potentially pull this off would just be huge. Yeah, very much so. And, of course, they need a lot of help on the uh, defensive side of the ball with uh, the scheme change and whatnot. How, uh, who are some of the other guys uh, on the defensive side of the ball that uh, you know, OU fans should be listening out for? Well, you know, obviously, you know, and I don't know that you and I have really talked since OU got seriously involved, but they picked up a commitment last week from Edrin Cooper, the mm-hmm. linebacker from Louisiana. He's a guy I really like. Very much fits what you expect um, – Alex Grinch and Brian Odom to want out of their linebackers. You watch his tape. He is a guy that I bet I bet if he had a hundred tackles last season for his Covington team, I bet twenty-five of them were tackles for loss. I mean, he lives behind the line of scrimmage. And that's what they want to do. They want to be aggressive. That you know, I think they kind of acknowledge we're gonna give up some plays sometimes, but we're gonna get off the field because we're gonna force some third and longs and it's gonna make it difficult for an offense, make them predictable. So I, I think that's um, that's kind of what they're looking at, and you know everybody calls him Edge, and I you know I'll, I'll do the same to save uh, I guess go for brevity, but um, he is a very athletic linebacker, long guy, probably six two, six three, somewhere around two hundred five, two fifteen. So there's a lot to like with him. I, I think he's a good fit. Uh, Brendan Walker is a kid that recently kind of re-upped his commitment to Oklahoma State. I still think that if Oklahoma really wants to push there, I, I think that's a guy they'll flip. And I, I've i heard some rumors that could happen sooner rather than later, even in spite of that kind of, you know, oh, I'm sticking with Oklahoma State. I, I think there was some trepidation from both sides as far as where he was going to fit, how he fit in the numbers. We'll see what happens. But it wouldn't shock me if something happened pretty soon with him. Um you know, in the defensive backfield, you've got guys like Josh Eaton, Jacoby up, uh, Covington. I had a chance to see both of them this weekend in Atlanta. Um, Covington is a, you know, 6'2", 205. I think he's probably a safety, but he could play some nickel. He's, he's got some coverage ability. Uh, Josh Eaton is a lightning fast corner from kind of the North Houston area. Um, just has a chance to be special if he can put it all together. He's you know, another six-one, long-armed, can really run a legit track guy. He is kind of the prototype of all the things Alex Grinch has talked about wanting in his secondary players. So it, he'll be he'll be a tough fight with A&M. I think that's really who it'll come down to is Oklahoma and Texas A&M. I think he'll announce later this summer, and I would definitely pick the Aggies right now. But he hasn't taken his official visit to Oklahoma, and it, it kind of like what I was saying with Rame earlier. If they can find a way to get him back up for an official this fall, I, it wouldn't shock me if they could turn the tables a little bit. Yeah, um, you mentioned Edge Cooper. Is he going to be playing inside or outside? My expectation is he will be an inside guy. I think that's what they want him to be. 
And I know people kind of say, oh, 205, 215, it's just more of the same. He's a big six foot two guy. And again, with what Grinch and Odom want to do, they don't want 245 pound guys inside. I mean, don't get me wrong. If the guy is, yeah. you know, uh, oh, Roquan Smith, fine. No yeah. problem. We can make that work. But like most guys at that size are not going to be able to do the things they want them to do going against Big 12 offenses. So. Everybody will have to be kind of patient with him. But like I said, I, I see the raw tools. I can see why Oklahoma went after him hard. And uh, I, he's one of the guys I'm looking forward to most getting to go see in person this season just so I can kind of size him up and kind of see if he's, you know, he's one of those guys. I think he's a lot better than maybe Rivals has him ranked, but I want to see him in person and maybe then we can go from there. Yeah, and kind of closing up here, uh, you know, it seems like there's a, some fluidity, I guess would be the best way to describe it, at, at running back. Uh, you know, I know you just has, has gotten a commitment recently from Seth McGowan, but, uh, you know, Jace McClellan sounds like he's kind of looking around. Is that, that uh, your read on it? Oh, there's no question. He went on back-to-back weeks. He went to Texas and then went to Alabama. There is no doubt he is, you know, at least having a look around at things. So, I think with that, Oklahoma is continuing to stay in touch with some guys that maybe OU fans aren't as familiar with, guys like Ty Jordan, uh, a couple of guys from California. I mean, there, there, are some, there are some names out there. The good news for Oklahoma is they're Oklahoma, and it doesn't take a lot of effort at running back to land a quality player. They, they can, they'll go find a guy, and this is as talented and deep a year for running backs as, any, as I can remember, and that forgets the two that are in state that have major Power 5 offers uh, Sevion Morrison at Tulsa mm-hmm. Edison and Dominic Richards at Bishop McGinnis. Those are, you know, Richardson's committed to TCU. Uh, Morrison just got back from a Nebraska official visit. So to be able to, you know, quote unquote, fall back to guys like that, that's that's a luxury you don't have most years. And, you know, like I said, I know talking to a few people, those guys weren't far off of OU's offer list. They just were in early on guys like McClellan, McGowan, Chris Tyree and some of those Mm -hmm. types. And so, you know, those guys just ended up a little bit on the back burner. But I think if Oklahoma wanted to go back in, particularly probably with Richardson, I think that door would probably still be open. So uh, any names we haven't talked about? Anybody, uh, I guess, uh, what's his name, the tight end Conyers? Yeah, Jalen Conyers from Gruber, Texas. He is a guy that I think Oklahoma – is really to me he feels like a when not if like I, I think he's he's either very close or you know we could have new eyes from Lincoln Riley today I mean there's a lot of ways it could go but um I, I really like where OU is with him and it's it's impressive because Oklahoma was you know largely recruiting him as a linebacker mm-hmm. just six weeks ago and then the whole Drew Sanders thing kind of changed the dynamic and He's been more than receptive to that. And, you know, I, like I said, I think Oklahoma's going to beat out Ohio State and Georgia, who we were just talking about, or, you know, along with Oklahoma, probably, you know, three of the, or excuse me, two of the top five recruiting programs in the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, so what do you guys got going on uh, over at Sooner Scoop this summer? Well, we actually have a promo going on right now. It's probably for a little over another week, it'll go through the 4th of July where if you'll sign up for a month, you get the entire summer free, or I guess sign up for a monthly subscription, you'll have the entire summer free. If you continue to stay on with us from there, you'll get some more free time. Uh, If you sign up for an annual, you'll also get the summer free, but if you stay, 
it's like six free months tacked on to the end of your account. So like it's it's a good time, you know, it's a good deal for everybody, especially with so much, you know, you're gonna get to go through this whole summer, which I expect to see three, four, five Oklahoma commitments. So there'll be plenty of news. And then you just choose to stay and watch as everybody covers Jalen Hurts and you know what all is going to happen with this new Oklahoma team that really should look quite different from what we've seen before. Yeah, absolutely. So how is it that you? It seems like you kind of like live on the board, right? I mean, you're you're there all the time, right? I think I was looking at the numbers the other day, and in the entire Rivals Network, I think I'm fourth in most posts, and one of those. <laughs> One of the leader is the actual rivals account that was once run by about six different people. So I'm slowly tracking that that group down. But I think I've got 150 posts on the scoop. Uh, excuse me, 150,000 posts on the Sooner Scoop board. So it's um, it's just something that I, I've always done. I like to be part of the community. I like you know because when Pete, I want people to to know me. It doesn't have to be oh he just stops in to drop off some news and then he goes away. I'm as present, I think, as any moderator I know of. Yeah, absolutely, and that's part of what makes, in my opinion, Sooner Scoop such a great value for uh, Sooner fans. It's uh, you know every time I have Josh and his team on, I got it. You know, from Sooner Scoop, I got to give a plug for him because uh, they uh, you know are just so knowledgeable and such great resources for OU fans. So uh, you know, I couldn't re- recommend their uh, site more. So. Y'all make sure to go out and, and uh, sign up. So, Josh, thanks so much, man, for uh, squeezing us in today, and really appreciate you coming on. Hey, anytime, Alan. Always enjoy it with you, man. All right. That's Josh McQuestion of Soonerscoop.com. Thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to you for joining us, too. For the Blayton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.